Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It is Anita from She and Her, and I am happy to be here to introduce our new episode. So in our first one of this season, we told you all that we have been thinking a lot about the things in our lives that bring us joy, and we are going to continue exploring that theme throughout this season, and we do so today in an episode that we actually recorded late this summer. We sat down with a 17-year-old from Durham. Her name is Eden. She goes to the North Carolina School of Science and Math. And she is a badass. She's so inspiring, and she gave us a lot to think about. A couple of things that you all should know before you meet her. She is 17, as I said, but she has already written her own screenplay. She has read many more classic novels than both Sandra and I combined. She brought some excerpts of Angela Davis into the studio to help articulate her personal definition of feminism. And... She has an energy and curiosity about the world that was a much-needed boost for both of us and hopefully will be for you all as well. Needless to say, the world is going to be just fine with a few more people like Eden in it. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Eden. So Eden, Anita and I both know you through your mother because we both have had some sort of working relationship with her. She's a folklorist and she's been a teacher of mine. Anita's had her on her daily talk show that she produces and she's a great storyteller and she loves to tell stories about you. And (laughs) one of the first stories I remember her talking with you about, I think it was on the the state of things that need to show was a story about you wanting to read Gone with the Wind. Will you tell us that story? Yes. Um, I believe I was in sixth grade and we had a project where we got to pick a classics book to read. And um, I was very into books, I guess. Autodidact, that's the word? Yeah. I read everything. Um, and I wanted to pick the biggest one. Um, so I picked Gone with the Wind. 
And I went to her and I asked. I didn't know anything about the book. I just knew it was the biggest one in the pile. (laughs) And I said, please, can I read this? And she looked at me and she said, only if you read Roots. And I didn't know what that was either, but she had it in the house. And she showed me. And I think her intent was to sort of defer me from reading it because Roots was also like very, very large. And I was like, sure, why not? (laughs) Um, So I ended up reading both. And that kind of started my stint into classical books. And I read like Anna Karenina and Les Mis. Uh, like in middle school, and I really loved the classics at that time. So, well, Eden, I still need to read some of the ones you <laughs> yeah. just listed. So, bravo to you. Well, will you tell us a little bit about your family and what ex- stories and notions of what being a woman was and feminism were that you grew up immersed in? Right. Um, so, my dad is from Ghana, West Africa, and my mom's from South Carolina, and. Uh, I really grew up in a very um, centered and grounded community, grounded in beliefs around feminism um, and just like comfort and space and creating safe spaces all around. And so I think growing up, I kind of thought it was a given to always, you know, be in spaces like that. Um, So, yeah, I had a a very um, comforting upbringing, Mm -hmm. especially around the notion of feminism. And I was I remember. like around the 2008 election, my mom was telling me that I wasn't allowed to vote because I was six years old. Um, (laughs) And I told her that was discrimination against young people. (laughs) And so that started a whole bout of political interests in me. And we did a whole thing with the election. And I got to pick my own candidate and Mm. do the little like fake kid voting thing and do research and call people on the phone. And so I had a lot of fun with that. So you've always been politically curious. Definitely, definitely. When do you remember, do you have any like early memories of self-awareness of being a curious person or a curious kid? I think um, definitely like for my earliest memory, I went to a Montessori school for preschool. And so it was all about hands-on. And we definitely, we made like stone soup and we <laughs> did lots of things. We ate mint from the garden. And so I definitely was uh, raised in like a very hands-on way and I remember you know one time (laughs) this is sort of embarrassing but I'm going to tell it anyway (laughs) Um, we were walking home I went to Ikepo for kindergarten and we were walking home from school because we lived near 9th street and I saw a dead frog on the ground and I said I want to pee on that frog (laughs) I was like you know I wonder what would happen if I just (laughs) peed on the frog so I've just been curious about you know, a wide range. I did not do it. My mom was like, let's go to therapy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to really, <laughs> yeah. But I've always been very, very curious. My mom said my, I used to just say why over and over again. I'd be like, why is this? And she would explain. I'd say, but why? But why? <laughs> and so that's always been a thing. Yeah. What was the first uh, time you remember identifying as like a young woman or a young like having a sense of like this is an identity marker that I am or relate to. Right. I think it's very interesting like exploring the intersections between black and woman. Um, For me personally I definitely noticed my place in the world as a black person before as a woman and I think I sort of like attributed all my experiences to being black Um, but in terms of like being female I definitely um, attributed that more to my attraction um, to men and not I necessarily didn't I wasn't like oh like yes let's get married um, I kind of based that off of wanting to be validated hmm. sort of so I know like up until middle school I always had a crush for every day of the week <laughs> um, and I was really really interested 
and um, receiving that type of validation. Hmm. And and d- what did you do to get that? Were you, we had a conversation <laughs> earlier this week where you talked about how you noticed yourself behaving in particular ways when you had those crushes. So right, you- definitely. I think my earliest one, I was four, um, also in preschool, and there was this boy I liked. Um, and I was actually, I was writing a college essay about this the other day, and while I was writing it, I realized that he was the same boy that had like made a mean comment about my hair that day. Um, and usually I probably wouldn't have taken that in a certain way, but that day my, my dad, my dad that weekend had like braided my hair in like a Ghanaian, traditional Ghanaian style. And so I was a little bit nervous because at four I kind of already knew that this was different than mm. what uh, other kids probably were wearing their hair. And so I was asking everyone like, do you like my hair? Do you like my hair? And I think he was the only one that said no. Um, and oh. later on, that became my uh, my goal. I was going to win him over. Mm. Um, so I was a little I was a little sneaky as a kid, and I think we were playing. And I told him we had to play Cinderella. And <laughs> by the end, I was like, "Well, in the movie, they kiss, so obviously, like <laughs> that's gotta happen." And I ended up getting an ear infection because he also had an ear infection. So I guess I learned my lesson <laughs> with that one. But um, yeah. so smart. <laughs> So growing up in the household that you grew up in, you said it, you described it as very comforting and very open. What did that look like on a daily basis? Did it mean that you and your mom were really close and always sharing stories? Right. I think especially when I was young, like five to six, we always had people from the community in our house or we'd go to other people's houses. And it was very, um, it was a lot of always women. I did not have a lot of men in like my early life. And so I think that to me, that was sort of the default um, and sort of like the importance of choice, like even if I, even I, even because I was like very young, they still like encouraged me to talk about how I was feeling um, when I thought about certain things, and I was definitely very outspoken as a child. Hmm. Well, and we've talked about this before on the show, but I didn't really grow up with the language of feminism per se. I grew up in a very pro women household, and I wonder if that was different for you and when you started cultivating your own definition of what feminism meant to you in your life. Right. I think that, I think even though I was in a household that was really open about defining that sort of thing, I didn't really come to that realization to like maybe middle school when I was also coming to the same realization about other systems of oppression and how they intersect and that's what really kind of like jumped uh, the gun for me. Um, and defining those sorts of things. How did you come to that point of recognizing those bigger systems in middle school? Right. Um, So in eighth grade, I moved back to Durham, and I started getting into um, the organizing community in Durham. Um, And I started getting, you know, a better vocabulary to talk about these things. I started reading more books. Um, This summer, I read Angela Davis's The Meaning of Freedom, or some of it. And so that was really helping me, you know, gain that vocabulary and um, learning how to discuss these very complex topics and also um, because we're still in the south there's lots of like polarization so Mm -hmm. I think I learned how to you know become more articulate about these kinds of things um, was like in arguing with other people (laughs) sure yeah so it's interesting but yeah well you brought some readings with you today that you're going to share with us that sort of elaborate on this definition your personal definition of feminism so tell us what 
you've brought for us. Yeah, um, so I just mentioned the meaning of freedom, and I think um, in thinking about feminism and really any system of oppression, it's really important to first think about, like, the fluidity of it because our, you know, society and, like, our bodies are always changing, um, and they're very fluid. So I think that definition is not stagnant in any way, shape, or form. But one of the most important parts of that definition for me personally is the word freedom and, like, freedom in all aspects. And Angela Davis specifically, um, she defines freedom as, like, the freedom to earn a livelihood, to live a healthy and full realized life, um, freedom from violence, sexual freedom, social justice, abolition of all forms of bondage and incarceration, um, freedom from exploitation, freedom from movement, freedom of movement. Um, so I think it's really important to think in the broadest terms possible. Yeah. Thank you. And did that resonate with you right from the beginning when you read it? Definitely. I highlighted it instantly. Hmm. Yeah. And the lang- in terms of learning the language, I mean, I feel like my first women's studies class, I was, what was I, like 18 or 19? And the, like, the, the, the concepts really resonated and the language resonated, but I didn't feel fluid in talking about it myself until a later point when I feel like I had, you know, studied more and read more, but it seems like for you, it came very naturally. Why do you think that is? Or, or how would you describe how that felt? Right. I think when I'm reading these texts, there's just something like within me that is just like, yes, you know, um, and also like realizing that you're never going to, you know, be perfect if there is that um, standard um, in any way of how you explain because it's more about like how you feel and like what you know is right um, hmm. and I think the beauty of that is you get to exchange with other people and other people that also you know realize that there is no like perfect standard for feminism or like explaining your own experience because like no one can really deny that yes definitely well and earlier you said that your identity as african-american was the thing you noticed most that made you different but i i wonder how that changed for you as you what things were happening to you that then made you notice what you know oh this might be happening to me because i'm female right i think i definitely noticed in terms of like development i was really interested in the like human the female body especially Mm -hmm. um and all my dolls, I used when I first got dolls, I used to always like strip them naked and see how detailed <laughs> um, it was, um, like the manufacturing. And so I was really interested in that. And I had a book um, describing like the progression of the female body and how it developed. And I used to read it over and over again. Um, and so I was really interested in my own development. You know, like what does it mean to be a woman? Like when I get breasts, like am I a woman now? Mm-hmm. You know, like. And also, I remember when I first got my, like, first armpit hair, I was even, like, very excited. I was like, yes, puberty. Like, I don't know. I think especially, um, like, mostly being friends with females in elementary school, um, that's something that we always would talk about. And it's either boys or, like, our physical development, Hmm. which I think really says something about how, like, what we were taught about what it means to be a woman. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Did you always feel one thing we talk about a lot on this show is how our relationship with our body has changed over time. And the first very first episode was named after a quote from Sandra's mom where she just said, wear the damn bikini. And we've talked a lot about, you know, how do you get comfortable in your own skin and with the shape of your body? And I feel like looking back, I didn't, I don't think I really had much awareness of it until almost late high school, early college. Like that was the first time I feel like I hit puberty kind of late and my body like didn't really change until much later. I wonder for you as someone who you say hit puberty earlier, how your relationship with your body has evolved and how you feel about it now at this point. Right. I think body positivity for me has definitely, that's something that I've more recently been delving into. And I think as um, an adolescent, I didn't really think about it that much other than like, okay, I have breasts now, like I'm done. Um, and, you know, like as I grew older, I definitely started gaining weight in like different places and starting to like compare myself to others more. Like, is my um, development the same as others? And mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting, like um, observing like through the years how it changes and how like you start looking at other people differently and definitely the comparison, which can be so like detrimental to your oh, yeah. mental health. But um, recently I've definitely been, you know, having more conversations with my peers when they say like, oh, like she's gotten better which to them is like she's gotten skinnier you know Mm. like equivalenting those two um so I think you know trying to in my own mind like training myself to think of things in different ways because a lot of it is really um you never you don't think about it you know it just is how we're socialized exactly which is terrible yeah well I'm glad that you have some awareness about that because that again like Anita was saying well I didn't I never really thought I knew how I felt about my body and I knew I was constantly comparing it to people when I was growing up, but it has taken, you know, I'm almost 30 and I'm just continually working on my awareness and consciousness about it because those messaging, those messages of comparison, even with the body positivity movement that we see on social media that has given so much more voice to people with different body shapes than the, you know, cover girl on cosmopolitan Mm -hmm. um it still is an ongoing message that we're we're getting from popular culture do you feel like your internal narrative is one of body positivity or is it one that you're like are you trying to retrain yourself i think i'm definitely getting there and i'm definitely you know better than i was probably a couple years ago um but there's always room for improvement that's awesome yeah (laughs) <laughs> so good to hear. Yes. <laughs> well, we talk about pop culture a lot on the show. And Anita and I, what year were you born, Eden? 2001. 2001. Okay. So Anita and I, we were with Beyonce from the very beginning when she was <laughs> on Destiny's Child. And I bring her up because I do think she has one of the, she is one of the biggest influencers in our culture right now. And she recently within the last few years has really been wearing that badge of feminism like it's on the stage behind her she's really embraced that as a label and I think that's really helped other people bring other people into the fold and 
brought people into considering whether they want to identify as that. Do you feel like feminism is something that your peers latch on to as an idea? Like, what is what is the lay of the land out there among your peers <laughs> yeah, about <okay>. that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it definitely varies um, depending on, like, what community you're in. And I think it's really interesting you brought up, brought up Beyonce because I remember last year, especially with her, like, big tour or a couple years ago, there was lots of, like, in my um, with my generation, there's a lot of conversation whether you know she really was you know embodying like fe- feminism in mm. all its glory, or whether she was kind of like co-opting off of it. And mm-hmm. I had a friend that like wrote an article about it, and so I think it was really interesting conversation. But I think in terms of pop culture, that can really help definitely bring more people into the idea and not kind of like blindly rejecting it, but it also um, generalizes it in yes. like a way that may be harmful. Well, Eden, you are a curious person. Who are you taking your cues from these days when it um, comes to politics, culture, anything of that sort? Yeah, it's definitely really hard, especially with, like, the monopolization of, like, news and information and, like, this cyber age. Um, but I definitely have been, like, doing some reading when I have time. I'm reading um, How We Get Free right now. It's about the um, Kambahi River Collective, and so... I've been reading that. What is that? It's, well, I'm not finished with the book yet, so (laughs) I might mess up. But um, my understanding so far is that it's a group of black feminists um, that have a certain, like, set of values um, and kind of define themselves as, like, deserving deserving of the same type of feminism that is expressed in, like, the sort of white feminism movement. Um, And so it's really, really interesting, and I'm enjoying it so far. Okay, so you're reading that. I'm what reading else? That. Um, I'm reading some Angela Davis, Octavia Butler. I'm doing some research at school, actually, on Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower and how that like intersects with Adrienne ah. Marie Moore's um, Emergent Strategy, which is so good. That's, I think everyone should read, read that. We just read Parable of the Sower in my book club. That's yes. awesome. Oh, my goodness. You're so many years ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, tell us what – keep us posted on what you're reading. We'll add it yeah. to our book list. <laughs> How about social media? How much a part of your life is it? Are there people that you follow that you find to be particularly inspiring or thought-provoking? Um, I think for me personally, social media is like um, helpful for interacting with people of my own age. Um, so I only use like Instagram and Snapchat, and I don't really um, follow any like trailblazers like that I really look up to other than people that are my own age quote-unquote influencers influencers <laughs> as they call them as they call them yes but um I do watch YouTube but that's more for entertainment I feel like most of my um influencers come from like word of mouth and people in my community and people you know that they trust because I think I don't really trust my own judgment I'm just looking at a screen and hmm. someone else saying that I should trust them and what does the YouTube landscape look like, <laughs> like in terms of getting entertainment there? Oh oh it's God, very we interesting. Sound, we sound really old. This is yeah. embarrassing. It's a lot of, I don't know. It's very weird, like really weird stuff, like people playing with slime. Or like, I really like the tiny food videos where they're like making like oh, tiny yeah. pancakes. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> I am obsessed with those. Okay. See, the funny thing is I feel like I only get to YouTube via Facebook. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Like, I would never start on YouTube. That feels, like, very foreign territory well, I would not me. know what to do. Me neither. I'd be, like, Google Music Video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to look at some of the views, and, like, I feel like a lot of American youth is spending their time on YouTube because it's, like, 25 million views on this video. Yeah. And, and like, that's a big percentage. Well, ha- of, there's... Yeah. Of, yes. There's a movie, 8th Grade, 
out there. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yet. I want to see it so bad. Me too. I haven't seen it either, but oh. it's all about vlogs. Vlogs, yeah. Which those are entertaining. Foreign yeah. concept to me. Yeah. Really? Until okay. an intern that we had two summers ago who told us about vlogging, and we now have a friend <laughs> who's older than us who has told me she wants to be a vlog star. So oh who is that? Laura. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but that yeah, like I I'll go to the YouTube. So I have to go onto YouTube for work sometimes to upload things to my work account, and you know you just go to the home page and it's a it is a landing page that I'm like whoa, what is all this? Yes, <laughs> don't get this at all. But that's cool. So. Eden, what are your ambitions? You are a senior in high school. What is going on with you? That question is definitely very scary, especially <laughs> as a senior in high school. Yes. But um, I think I definitely I want to go into college. Um, right now, I think Barnard is my uh-huh. first choice. I'm visiting it um, soon so I can reassess, make sure that's still what I want to do. Um, I think I want to major in global health and I'm really interested in global women's health specifically, so we'll see how I can uh, fit that in. Tell us more Um, about that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I originally, like when I was nine, I had this idea um, about sort of integrating the different like modes of like um, birth practices in the U.S., like midwifery, obstetrics, and the practices of doulas, and I was really set on that for a long while. How did you get passionate <laughs> about that? There is a movie. At nine. The business. Dumb, of, yes. Oh yes, my God. Was, you saw that at nine? I did. The business of being born. I think born. I was sick one day. And <laughs> it was You're on amazing. Netflix. Okay. okay. Um, and I fell in love with it. I watched it over and over again. I bought their books. Ricky Lake, right? Yes. Anything with midwifery in it, I bought it. And I read a lot about it. So I'm really interested in midwifery and doulas. And I think I still want to be certified as a doula because you can be when you're 18 yeah yeah wow so and i i don't know the college thing it's like confusing because you can't like mold it to exactly what you want to do but it's really easy for me to think past that you know my Mm. ideal what else what what is the ideal past that (laughs) well i love interior decorating so i would i would do that i would definitely like be doing some kind of research um research is so fun to me um like social sociological research, Mm. um, something like that. I would maybe be writing. I'm really into screenwriting. I have a pilot that works. (laughs) Tell us. (laughs) What's the premise? Um, It's called Mole People, and it's sort of um, dystopian. It's based in the subways. They're empty, the subways of New York, (laughs) not like with trains in them. Um, And it's about this guy that's like been separated from his mother. He lives directly above him. So like some people live above, like in New York, and some people live in the subways. And she's like a Broadway singer. And he lives um, underneath one of the stages where she auditions a lot, so she can he can hear her. But uh, they never like it takes a long time for them to meet face to face. Oh like, wow! So I'm really excited to keep on working on that. But that is really awesome. Yeah, we're uh, we're sold. You have two viewers Yay, already. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you do a crowdfunding for this, it's probably going to be optioned by a major <laughs> movie company. But <laughs> if you do, we'll have to share that on she and her. Yes, yes. certainly. Can't we're wait. out of time yeah thank you so much for yes, talking with us you. we can't wait to follow your career <laughs> as it evolves <laughs> and for your book recommendations yeah exactly <laughs> send us those and we will put them out on our facebook thank you for coming on thank the show you so much all right you guys were listening to she and her if you want to catch the 
backlog of our episodes, you can visit sheandherradio.com. And we are on iTunes and Stitcher at She and Her. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram there, too. We are. See you guys soon. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.